Happy Friday and welcome to Get Your Goat. Your host Josh here and there is a lot to get into. The Steelers-Vikings Thursday night football game last night. Vikings had it, were on cruise control and all of a sudden they let the Steelers creep back in and made that game much closer than it should have been. Was it just the Steelers waking up in the second half? Or was it poor Vikings in the second half? Then week 14 matchups. This is the uh, last week of the bye. So if you are the Indianapolis Colts, Miami Dolphins, New England Patriots, or Philadelphia Eagles, you have a bye week. This is the last bye week of the season. And you have to think, if you're a team that's hot right now playing well, uh, kind of like all these teams are, but especially the Colts, Miami, who's on a five-game winning streak, New England on a seven-game winning streak, you just have to think you really don't want your momentum slowed down. You're in the playoff push. New England's number one in the AFC. Miami, right on the cusp of the playoffs. They've been playing great. Uh, you have to think that hopefully this bye does not interfere with their winning streak, with the progress that they've made, and they can still come out of a bye week uh, fresher and continue their respective uh, winning streaks. Then, the NBA. The Lakers' inexplicable loss to Memphis last night. It's all of a sudden you've got a great Lakers showing, and then you got quite opposite the next day, which is why, again, they are a 500 team. Then, Penguins-Capitals rivalry renewed tonight. Last night, every college award was handed out that hasn't already been handed out except for the Heisman. Then a couple, a shocking moment in college basketball. But before I get started with the Steelers-Vikings Thursday night recap, I just want to say this. Uh, the news last night of Demarius Thomas uh, passing away in his home. I just want to say I give my condolences and thoughts to his family. What I've heard from the media last night, this morning, uh, his teammates, uh, Tim Tebow, Eric Decker, uh, Peyton Manning, Julius Thomas, all of them have just said, you know, not just what a great teammate he was, but the infectious joy that he had, uh, the smile, the love, and honoring him, and to me that means so much more than the great uh, player that he was, because he was uh, sensational. Uh, the five-year stretch he had, 2012, uh, 2016, 2017, uh, Pro Bowl season, uh, Super Bowl winner, uh, iconic catch with Tim Tebow and him in the wild card game, 80-yard touchdown against the Pittsburgh Steelers, a uh, plethora of iconic moments. Uh, so not just a great NFL player, uh, but a great person uh, who passed away way too soon at the age of 33. Again, uh, my heart goes out for his family. Now, the Steelers-Vikings uh, game last night, which seemed like Minnesota had it all figured out. And I've got to say this, you know, before I get into uh, the crazy minor details of this game, is the return of Dalvin Cook. 
you know, it seemed like he wasn't going to play because he just dislocated his shoulder like a week and a half ago. Uh, so he's going to play on one and a half shoulders. And mind you, too, because of this kind of late game announcement, Thursday night game, a lot of people have him benched in their fantasy league. I think 30% of fantasy managers had him benched. So if you're in that 30%, oh my, oh my, are you disappointed? Because on one and a half shoulders, he rushed for 205 yards on 27 carries and had two touchdowns. He had 150 yards in the first half, two touchdowns in the first half. I mean, he went off last night. I mean, I think he, the average fantasy point was 35 points. So to have that on your bench, 30% of people on the bench, you have, oh, that is a headache right there in itself that you did not start Dalvin Cook. Because if it wasn't for Dalvin Cook in the first half, uh, I don't know if the Vikings win this game. Uh, he was just played physical, played with an edge. Uh, you talked to Justin Jefferson after the game, and he says, you know, Dalvin Cook had to go out because he couldn't do it alone. Adam Thielen was out last night. So Dalvin Cook, injured, comes out and just puts on a clinic, could not tackle him, was the most physical player out on the field. Kirk Cousins was excellent in the first half as well. Just nothing could go wrong for the Vikings in the first half, but nothing could go right for the Steelers in the first half. It really was a tale of two halves. You know, when you look like right off the gate, Greg Joseph, the kicker for Minnesota, who's just terrible. He's a terrible kicker. I'm sorry. Uh, but that man just can't make a thing. So he misses a 53-yarder. Then the Steelers go down the field. They miss a field goal. Then after that, Minnesota gets back on track. They score a touchdown. Then Greg Joseph, what does he do? Misses the extra point. That's what he does. And then after that, the Pittsburgh Steelers have three straight, uh, three and outs, where they had more negative yards than positive yards. Two of those drives, they had a total of negative 10 yards. In total, they had negative two yards in three straight drives. Then they finally get a first down. They have to punt 45 seconds, so none of those drives uh, take long at all. Uh, you're down 23-0 to zero at half. I mean, you're just playing so, so poorly. Uh, can't tackle, uh, can't get the running game going with Najee. Big Ben looking old. I mean, everything, it was on display. It was a microcosm to me of both their seasons where Minnesota, to me, looks like a better team than 6-7, and seven, playing their best football, where Pittsburgh doesn't feel like a 6-6 six, six, uh, or a 6-5 and five team. They look much worse, and their it is on display on national uh, television. But what do I say about Kirk Cousins? He's con artist Kirk. He's fraudulent. He doesn't show up in the big games. He's proven me wrong in the first half. Well, the second half, it's just terrible. So I have to say that overall, he was more bad than he was good. 14 of 31 uh, completion percentage. 
are completions to attempts, so that's below a 50%. A quarterback rating of 22. Two interceptions in the second half. Uh, one was kind of off the hands of Justin Jefferson, but the other one is kind of inexplicable. Bad interception. We are up in the game, and it's a bad throw to Kendrick Osborne, and it's picked off. Uh, let's Pittsburgh just back in the game. So Kirk Cousins, bad, bad, bad second half. The defense that was playing great in the first half, you know, decides to just let in touchdown after touchdown in the second half as well. And it makes this game relatively close. You think, you know, it's 29-14. Uh, who knows? It's now 29-20. to And... You're on your feet if you're a Vikings fan saying, oh no, oh no, please, please not again. I cannot deal with another type of loss like this. And then you get the ball back 29 to 20, and it's a 62-yard pass to Osborne. And you're thinking, yes, it's 36-20. Let's keep the lead. The Vikings punt it. I mean, the Steelers punt it. That's when Kirk Cousins then throws the interception, which leads to the touchdown right away. So now you're thinking, you know, I have four and a half minutes left on the clock. We need to try to ice this game, and they can't. They give it back to Pittsburgh, you know, with two minutes left. Can Big Ben engineer one game-winning drive? Can he do it this year? And they just march down the field relatively easy. Uh, They go 12 plays. 84 yards, some nice short passes, you know, to Najee Harris, a couple pass interferences on Rashad Breeland, which hurts one of them, uh, 38 yards, can't do that, but then again, kind of a dunk to Claypool, nothing long, Deontay Johnson right there, and then at the end, another one to Deontay Johnson, where he goes out of bounds with three seconds left because of a missed tackle by Patrick Peterson, so they have the ball at the Minnesota 12 with three seconds left to try to get a touchdown. And then, of course, the two-point conversion, which is a whole different story to try to tie the game. But you just need a touchdown, and you're 12 yards away. You can sort of run any sort of pass play that you have in your book to call up. And they dial up a great route to Fryermuth. Great throw by Big Ben. And a drop by Fryermuth in the end zone, broken up by Harrison Smith. But if you're uh, Fryermuth, that is a ball you have to catch. You have to bring in uh, with the game on the line like that. You have got to secure that catch. Pittsburgh, heartbreaking loss in that fashion, considering you were down by so much. The Vikings letting this game get close. It's inexplicable if you're the Minnesota Vikings to let this game get that close at the end of the game. It's when you're up 29 to 0, 29 to 0, and there's only like 20 minutes of game time left, you should be able to hold that lead. That is a combination of a few things. That's con artist Kirk. Being con artist Kirk, making poor decisions with the football as a quarterback. Bad play calling by Mike Zimmer. And then just poor defense in that second half led to almost an ultimate collapse 
right there. I think if they get fired, I mean, my bad, if they lose that game of Vikings, I believe Zimmer gets fired right then and there. They don't even let him do the press conference. They just fire him. Uh, but if you're the Steelers, you cannot start out of a gate that poorly. That's plagued them in so many games, uh, starting poorly, you know, but times against the Bengals, uh, the Chargers, you can't overcome a poor start with a quarterback that's not mobile. Also, you can't tackle well. Uh, Coach Mike Tomlin said after the game that the line of scrimmage, you know, both lines look JV uh, right there, the physicality. And the Pittsburgh Steelers did not bring it last night. Led to their ultimate loss. Again, two teams I really do not trust down the stretch. This was a big game for Pittsburgh, who was right outside the playoff picture at the 8th seed. With that loss, they now drop to the 10th seed. We'll see what happens above them this week. But they still got four tough games to play. They got the Titans next week, the Chiefs, the Browns, the Ravens. They're 6-6-1. Six, six and one. They could very much well end up with a losing record. And I think that's an indictment on Mike Tomlin, on the GM, uh, Ben Roethlisberger. I think that's a lot of factors if they miss the playoffs this year. And uh, and uh, go out with a losing record as well. Again, no T.J. Watt last night, but one man cannot cover every single transgression that they have on defense. And then you have the Minnesota Vikings. You needed this one after a bad loss last week to the uh, Detroit Lions. You're now back at the eight spot, one spot below the Niners. Of course, they have a tie break on you. But now you just need to focus on winning your games. And you have two very winnable games. You have two tough games. Your winnable games are both against the Bears. How lucky are they to play the Bears two times in their final four games? They got a Monday night, and then they got them the last game of the season. But in between, that's where it's tough. You've got the Rams, and you've got the Packers. Of course, that Packers game's a rematch of the one the Packers already lost. That one's in Green Bay a Sunday night. Uh, I might just count that as an automatic loss. Uh, <laughs> but that's going to be tough for them. I don't know if they make the playoffs, you know, with nine losses, eight and nine, with the football team ahead of them, with the 49ers below them and some other teams kind of right there underneath them as well. So it's going to be an interesting playoff push. Vikings barely beat out the Steelers' last play of the game. It took 36-28 Minnesota. And I guess I'm happy I did pick Minnesota. Uh, closer than uh, it should have been, for sure. Now looking ahead to the Week 14 matchups that happen on Sunday. The first one, rematch of the Sunday night game from two weeks ago. The Baltimore Ravens. And the Cleveland Browns. I've got to say, I really do not have any faith in the Cleveland Browns. I know I've said this a lot. But I just have lost all faith in Cleveland. And I know Baltimore's shaky uh, too right now. Uh, Lamar Jackson has not looked good recently uh, the past two weeks. You know, four interceptions against the Browns. And then against the Steelers. I had an interception. I didn't look poised. He's in a slump. 
But even though he's in a slump, that doesn't mean Baker Mayfield's playing better. Uh, Baker Mayfield has not been good uh, at all this year. Nothing he does has really impressed me. I know the running backs have dealt with COVID, Nick Chubb, uh, and what's his name? Uh, my bad, Kareem Hunt. So I just don't have faith in anything that they do. And because of that, I have to roll with the Baltimore Ravens. I got to roll with Lamar Jackson. I know it's a rematch two weeks this time. It's in Cleveland. But just the sloppy way that this offense works. Uh, earlier in the season, it was sort of, it was hot and cold. It was, you know, a great performance, you know, against, you know, the Texans or almost against the Brown or the Chiefs, you know, against the Brown or the Chargers. And then just recently, they've been really poor. The Patriots, the Lions, the Ravens, all those performances have been subpar to say the least. They don't have a real, you know, receiving threat as well. OBJ wasn't a real threat when he was there, but you have Jarvis Landry and Joku's your leading wide receiver who's your tight end. They don't have legitimate threats, but I think this team can be so much more. I know they lost their right tackle as well, but to me, I see this team uh, on offense, not on defense, on offense. It reminds me of the uh, Michigan Wolverines, you know, where you have a competent quarterback. Baker Mayfield can be a competent quarterback. I've seen him make plays. Uh, you have a great rushing game. You do. You have Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. Michigan has Blake Corum, Hassan Haskins. You have a good offensive line. You don't have, you know, game-changing wideouts, but you have enough. You know, the Wolverines have Saren Still and Cornelius Johnson. They've got their tight ends, Eric All, Schoonmaker. Cleveland has that. They had their tight ends in Joku, Hooper. They have their wideouts out there in Schwartz and Jarvis Landry. So they've got playmakers. I just don't know, is this Kevin Stefanski? Is this Baker? Is this offense just a mess? I mean, they just seem like a mess all over the field right now. And when you're that bad of a mess, I don't think you can fix it. I'm very surprised that Cleveland's a favorite to win this game because I'm going to probably roll with Baltimore. If there's a time for any team to break out of their slump, it's going to be against the Cleveland Browns this year. And I think Baltimore, uh, behind Lamar Jackson, I think he'll play a little better against the Browns. Uh, you know, we've seen the frustration he gives Jadavion Clowney, Miles Garrett outside on the edge, and he'll have a decent game running the football. And in the end, again, no faith in Cleveland. Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee has lost Derrick Henry, and they look very human uh, since that loss. They had the great, great win against the Rams, but shaky win against the Titans or against the Saints. Texans inexplicable loss, and then a beatdown by the Patriots. So two straight losses had their bye week. Can they rebound against the Jags? I think it'll be tough, but really, other than Jacksonville's two surprising wins and a decent performance against the uh, Bengals earlier in the year, I just don't see it from the Jaguars. Uh, I think the Titans, they can rebound. Ryan Tannehill, 14 touchdowns to 13 interceptions. He needs to cut down the interceptions. 
you should have A.J. Brown back this week as well. So with some of their players returning, hopefully, you know, they can get there. They'll need the Patriots to lose one game uh, to get the one seed. But if I look at the Titans, they have some winnable games on their schedule. Uh, they can do it. You know, it's just Ryan Tannehill. He's going to have to step up right now. The Las Vegas Raiders and the Kansas City Chiefs. There's only been one time I didn't pick the Kansas City Chiefs at all this year. That was against the Raiders earlier in the season. And did you know, that happened to be the Chiefs' best performance of the season, where they slapped the Raiders 41-14 to in Las Vegas. If you think I'm picking Las Vegas against the Chiefs, or if I picked against the Chiefs, obviously I picked the wrong time to pick against Kansas City. Uh, I'm not doing that again. I'm picking the Kansas City Chiefs. They're looking for their sixth straight win. And they're winning because of their defense. Uh, It's as simple as that. Their offense is not where I thought it would be. But Kansas City, their defense in this winning streak has been really, uh, really good. At least in the red zone. In the red zone, they bend, but they don't break. The win streak, they've been good. They still allow a lot of yards. A lot of yards, which I don't like. They're on the high end of the yard spectrum. 370 yards a game against the Broncos. They let in 400 yards a game. Where they make up for it is scoring, like I said, once it gets in the red zone. It gets tougher. And they play a lot better in the red zone. So that's kind of their time uh, to do that offensively. You know, they put up a lot of yards as well. 391 yards a game, uh, but when it comes to points, they're just middle of the pack. They have a tough time scoring uh, points, which has been tough for them. So I don't see them as a huge threat. But against this game, we're Las Vegas. This is another team. I don't know what to expect. They beat the Cowboys, and then they lose to the football team. I just don't know what to say about this team. I don't trust them. I don't trust Kansas City, surprisingly, this year. But I don't trust Las Vegas. I've got to roll with Kansas City. And if it's any time for the Chiefs to win a game, it's a divisional opponent. It's at home. Travis Kelsey, last time he played with any swagger, was against the Raiders. I like the Chiefs to win this game. New Orleans and New York Jets. I'm going to say this. I've got Patrick Mahomes as my quarterback in my fantasy league, and I got Tom Brady as my quarterback in my other one. I'm not taking out Tom Brady. But in the one with uh, Patrick Mahomes, Taysom Hill's still a free agent in my league. I might pick him up. He plays the Jets. I'm going to say this. If Taysom Hill is available in your fantasy league, you should pick him up. I know in that league, I'm definitely going to pick him up. And I might even start him. I know I might get burned as I didn't start Patrick Mahomes the last time he played the Raiders. And he might have a great game. But Taysom Hill, the thing about him is he runs the ball. There's a lot of design runs for him. I know if Kamara comes back, you know, that'll hurt his running attack. But you also think that'll help his passing attack. I know if Kamara's back, I don't think he throws four interceptions. I think he can take the easy checkdowns for Kamara, which gets points as well. I think they can snap their five-game losing streak against the Jets. 
Again, it'll be tough, especially if no Camara. But I think they can do it. I like New Orleans in this game. I like Taysom Hill as a fantasy sleeper as well to get a lot of points in this matchup as well. The Dallas Cowboys and the Washington football team. This is a game, typically, I'd probably pick the football team. But there's too many people on the football team. And this is, I think this is might be an ugly matchup. I don't think this is going to be, you know, the pretty high-scoring plays. Taylor Heineke, Dallas, uh, Dak Prescott, the dueling each other. I wanted to pick the Dallas Cowboys. Because a lot of people are high on the football team right now. Because they've won four in a row. Uh, this game's at Washington. It's a perfect time for the Cowboys to slip up. So I thought if everybody's backing the football team, I might as well back the Dallas Cowboys. Then Mike McCarthy opens up his mouth and guarantees a Cowboy win, says he's going to win against the football team. He's confident in that. Then he kind of backtracks his statement and says, isn't that what I'm supposed to do? I'm, we're always supposed to go out and win. Well, no duh, Mike McCarthy. I mean, I just can't stand that head coach. Only reason he won was because he had Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback in a great defense in the Super Bowl at the time. Uh, I know Charles Woodson got injured in the Super Bowl, but he played great all the way up until that point. Clay Matthews, I mean, they had a great team. You didn't really do anything. You remind me of Bruce Arians last year in the Super Bowl. Bruce Arians just won the trophy and... Byron Leftwich, Todd Bowles, Tom Brady did the rest. So, I mean, this is a true toss-up game. Uh, there's factors I like on both sides. Washington's defense improving, uh, playing as hot as anyone right now. Uh, Cowboys, you know, had a lot of time off. They had a nice win after dropping two in a row. Now they play a divisional opponent. Dak has played well against divisional opponents. I might end up picking the Cowboys, which would be huge for their NFC East chances, but a loss makes this so much more tight than it should be as I thought it would be before the season. But that is a great NFC matchup this weekend. The Dallas Cowboys-Washington football team. And would you get this? Antonio Gibson has more rushing yards than Ezekiel Elliott. This also shows that Pollard has been a feature back for the Dallas Cowboys. It's more of a one-two punch. With McKissick out for Washington, look for Antonio Gibson to have a big day against this defense uh, who has improved. But again, I'm not high. I'm a Dallas Cowboy defense. If it wasn't for Micah Parsons, this team would still be in the dumps. You can give me Trevon Diggs. I know he's got nine interceptions, but he has got burned a lot this season. A lot. If it's not an interception, it's probably a touchdown for the opposing team. Atlanta and Carolina. Two five and seven teams, two bad teams as well. Carolina, new offensive coordinator, new play caller. But the Falcons haven't looked good since Calvin Ridley took a leave of absence. You've got no Christian McCaffrey as well for Carolina. you got Cordero Patterson. Might be playing some safety this weekend. He's a do-it-all player for the Falcons. I think Carolina actually rebounds in this game. You know, they had the great win against the Cardinals a few weeks ago. 
And it's just been devastation ever since then. I think Carolina comes out, wins this game against the Falcons. I believe they're more desperate than the Falcons. They have a better shot at making the playoffs than the Falcons. And the Falcons have just been beat down other than the Jaguars. It's been rough sledding, you know, the past month for the Atlanta Falcons. Don't think they get a rebound here. Matt Ryan hasn't played good this year. Uh, I do think Carolina gets a win. Whoever is quarterback, P.J. Walker, Cam Newton, they do just enough to win this weekend. Seattle and Houston. I actually picked up the Seattle defense. Can you believe that? I picked up the Seattle defense. In fantasy, they're available. They're playing the Texans. I mean, you know, what could do more? I mean, they shouldn't be called the Houston Texans. They should be called the Terrible Texans. Uh, Seattle, slim playoff chances. I think it's at like 3% now. Win this, it helps. Again, all their games now are must-wins. They get to 5-8. and eight. You could have another conversation with them. I think they beat the Texans. They beat them handily. Russell Wilson had his best game of the season last week. Uh, they needed that. Connected to Tyler Lockett. I know no Jamal Adams, but they've got Ryan Neal. And I'm also high on this Seahawk defense as well, who's also been playing a lot better uh, recently. Again, they've given up a ton of yards, you know, second total uh, yards, you can say. But when it comes to scoring, they are in the top 10 in scoring defense. They're above teams such as, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs, who've been good during their win streak. They're higher than the Baltimore Ravens, uh, the Dolphins, the Cowboys, the Rams, the Bucks. So that's good company right there. I know they're just out of the top five. They're actually number six. But this scoring defense is something I take a, a lot of look at when I measure a defense and that Seattle's right there. I think they can do some damage this weekend against the Texans. I think this should be a brilliant performance for them. I don't think it should be close. I don't want it to be close. I think the Seahawks can go into Houston and get the win. The Detroit Lions and the Denver Broncos. Detroit had their win last week. Can they back it up with another win? The Broncos changing their focus to treat every game like a playoff game. Well, I'm glad it took in a loss to the Chiefs where you could have won, outgained them in yards, everything, but you just could not convert. I think they beat the Broncos. And again, Broncos are a team, again, that has had a great game followed up by a bad game really since October. They lose to the Browns by three points with no Baker Mayfield. They then go on the road, or they then play the football team and win 17-10, which happened to be the football team's last loss. They then play the Broncos, or they play the Cowboys, and whoop up on them. They play the Eagles, get decimated. They play the Chargers, you know, beat them down. Then they play the Chiefs and lose. So I think with that, I think they play the Lions. I think they're focused. I think they get back on track. I don't think the Lions win two games in a row. It's very hard for me to imagine uh, a Lions winning streak at all. I projected them to have two wins and still finish last. They're at one win right now. They could get another. 
I think they only have one more game like that. I think that's realistically against the Falcons. We'll see how that goes. Happy the Lions won. Dan Campbell and them. But I do not think they get it done at Denver. The New York Giants and the Los Angeles Chargers. Will Daniel Jones play? Nope, he's not playing. So you got Mike Lennon, Jake Fromm at quarterback. I don't think the Giants are going to score a lot of points. But if you're the Chargers, you don't have your top two wideouts. You don't have Keenan Allen. You don't have Mike Williams. How will you get it done? I think they can get it done. Justin Herbert, who leads the league in QBR, quarterback rating, has been highly efficient this season. He's going to have to do it with his top two wideouts. What's it going to have to be? A heavy dose of Austin Eckler. I love it because I need a good fantasy game for him. Austin Eckler is going to have the keys to win this game. He's going to have to get it done. He's going to have to be the workhorse back uh, receiving and running. Uh, I expect a big game from him. I expect the Chargers to win behind his effort. San Francisco and Cincinnati. A great NFC-AFC matchup. Two teams right in the playoffs just holding on. Cincinnati in the sixth spot. San Francisco in the seventh spot. I mean, what a matchup this should be. Should be heated on both sides. Debo Samuel, I think unlikely to return this week. Will it be a heavy dose of George Kittle? This Bengal defense hasn't played great as of recently. The exception of the Steelers game. Can Joe Burrow not turn a ball over? Leads the league with 14 interceptions. Cannot have that. He needs to cut that down. He needs to get the ball to Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase has been a lot quiet. Joe Mixon dinged up. You know, this is going to be the physicality. Can San Francisco do what they do? Run the football. No Debo Samuel. Uh, probably no Elijah Mitchell. Can you get that done? Can you run the football? Or are you going to have to rely on Jimmy Garoppolo? I think if Jimmy Garoppolo throws a ball... More times than Joe Burrow, they lose this game. But then, you know, if they're able to run the ball efficiently and they are doing that and they're not relying on Jimmy Garoppolo, then I think that's a recipe for a 49ers win. But this should be a good game, very close. Both teams with not a lot of room uh, to lose any more football games. Buffalo... In Tampa Bay, you know, before the season started, a lot of people pegged this as a possible Super Bowl preview. But guess what? This is no preview at all. The Bills are not going to the Super Bowl. I'm sorry. They're a broken, fractured team on offense. It's just what they are. Josh Allen's been wildly inconsistent. They have had no running game. That is the Buffalo Bills M.O. Now they're playing a hot team in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who have won three straight games. And you also have to remember this. No quarterback has a high or a higher winner percentage against a team than Tom Brady does against the Buffalo Bills. 32 wins, three losses. I know... 
Rogers talks about owning the Bears, and he has a terrific percentage. But if you want to talk about owning a team, it's Tom Brady owning the Buffalo Bills. I mean, they should all refer to Tom Brady is Daddy Brady over there, Josh Allen, Devin Singletary, Sean McDermott, Stephon Diggs, all of them. Uh, every member of the Bills the past 20 years should say that as well because Tom Brady is the owner of the Bills. And I think it continues this weekend as well. I do. I know Buffalo suffering uh, just a heartbreaker, a game they could have won if Josh Allen makes a few more plays, but they don't. I think they're angry. They want to get back at Tampa Bay. I think they'll be able to throw the ball at sunny Tampa. But that won't matter because Tom Brady is better than Josh Allen. He's the MVP frontrunner. They have a better running game than uh, Buffalo. They can run the ball with Leonard Fournette. That's the key right there is to get it going because the Buffalo Bills rush defense has been an embarrassment to mankind when it faces good teams. The Patriots, utter embarrassment of plus 200 yards. The Colts, in utter embarrassment of plus 200 yards. The Chiefs, or the, my bad, the Titans, in embarrassment of like 150, 180 yards. So yes, this defense, the rush, it's bad. Tampa Bay will win this game. Tom Brady improves to 33-3 over the Buffalo Bills. Chicago and Green Bay. Oh, talk about another player that owns a team. Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay on the Chicago Bears. Aaron Rodgers already doubling down, says he does not take his statement back. Of course, it'll be used against him, but right now it does it. I think that fuels Chicago, fuels Justin Fields, who'll be back this weekend, but it's not enough. Sunday night at Lambeau Field. Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay, it's just the world working in the favor of the Packers team this week. They get it done. I think they get it done big as well. Uh, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon. It's just too much for the Chicago Bears team uh, to handle. The Chicago Bears are 4-8. and eight. They're kind of in the Seahawks boat right now this last year. I think you can put an E next to their name is officially eliminated. You start looking for a new head coach as well uh, because Matt Nagy is not the one to lead uh, Justin Fields. He broke Mitch Trubisky. I don't want to see him uh, break a better quarterback in Justin Fields. You need to ship Matt Nagy on the furthest plane or boat or anywhere away from Justin Fields and this Bears organization. Then Monday night, I know I usually save the Monday night game for Mondays, but I won't be doing a podcast Monday. I will be up at Arizona to watch the Rams-Cardinals Monday night football game. I will be there at the stadium at State Farm. But I won't be rocking any Cardinals gear. The Rams gear will be in full effect. I want the Bucks to have the number one seed. I'll say that openly. Uh, that was my pick to win the Super Bowl. Uh, I thought they'd win back-to-back. I thought they'd win last year. I thought they'd win this year. I want them to have a number one seed. That means the Rams have to win this game. I mean, they don't have to. I mean, the Cardinals can lose a few more. But this is a test, and I also think this. 
I think the Rams will win uh, this game because the past few times it's been, you know, a nationally televised game. They've been embarrassed. I know the Packers game was eight points, but that was embarrassing. The Monday night game to the 49ers was an embarrassment. The Sunday night to the Titans was another embarrassment. This is their last, you know, primetime game of the season unless they get flexed another one. And other than the opening Sunday night game, every primetime match Stafford hasn't looked good. I know the win against Seattle, but it just hasn't looked good. I know that means I should be scared and pick the Cardinals. But I'm picking the Rams to win this game. I think they bounce back. Sean McVay, Cooper Cup did not have a good game against the Cardinals last time. I think they rebound. I think they beat the Cardinals. Cardinals are a better team away than at home. I think that factors in. I think Aaron Donald wants to get after Kyler Murray as well. Von Miller, this defense. I think OBJ more into the lineup. Helps this team as well. And this is a team in, you know, really both these arenas. But the Rams especially, who can put up a lot of points. I mean, you have the Cardinals, not even in the top 10 of offense. And you've got the Rams at number 3. The Rams score a lot of points. Matt Stafford, MVP most of the season the past few weeks. The key is going to be defense. The Rams have minimally improved. You know, they're in the top 15, but Arizona's a top five defense. Uh, that's going to be the matchup right there. Sean McVay, can he outcoach Cliff Kingsbury? I know he can do it. I know this team can outplay the Arizona Cardinals. It's just going to be the will, the want to, you know, showing up. The Cardinals haven't played a home game in almost a month. Can they do it? Nope. I think the Rams get it. And then this not only shakes things up, uh, because a lot of people, Cardinals one seed, you know, they're right there. But the Rams win this game. They're only one game back of the Arizona Cardinals. One game back, and then you have to factor in, you know, they've lost to Green Bay, but they beat Tampa Bay. That just tightens up the top tier of this race right away. If the Rams lose... To me, there's a clear-cut, you know, top four division winners. But if the Rams win, you really got the five strong teams right there. And one more slip up by Arizona it could mean that the Rams get in. So that's a pivotal Monday night game. And it's a huge swing because the Rams win, they're right there. But if the Rams lose, like I said, they're essentially eliminated three games behind with the tiebreaker. Uh, that before left, they're eliminated from the NFC West race. That's how much this game on Monday night means for both teams. I think it's going to be high energy. Both teams will be out there flying. But at the end of the day, Los Angeles Rams are going to get the win. Now after all that NFL talk, time to move on to the NBA. Last night, Lakers suffered yet another inexplicable loss. This time... To the Memphis Grizzlies. This is not a game they should have lost. I mean, you just had a great Laker performance on Tuesday against the Celtics. Everything was clicking. And then all of a sudden, they just look lost against Memphis. It's close. And then 
the second half, they really uh, pull away. The turnovers hurt this team. 22 turnovers, you know, for the Lakers. Six by Russell Westbrook. Five by LeBron James. Two of your best players cannot combine for 11 turnovers. Russell Westbrook also was at a minus 16, outscored by 16 points when he was on the floor. That cannot happen. Russell Westbrook cannot be, you know, that inconsistent. The Lakers cannot be inconsistent on defense, uh, turning the ball over. That is just what's frustrating about this Lakers season. They have a lot of issues that need to be fixed. Can Frank Vogel do it? Or will he be out? Will he even be allowed to try to fix these issues? I think Frank Vogel needs to be playing for his job. I think the players need to recognize that as well. They need to step up as well and help their coach out. Uh, the Lakers play the Thunder tonight. They've already lost a game to the Thunder this year. And the Thunder are one of the worst teams. Can the Lakers rebound in a back-to-back? What will happen tonight? The two games, Nets and the Hawks, I'm picking tonight. I'm picking the Brooklyn Nets uh, to win this game. Yes, you know, they just lost their last game. But it's the Hawks. Kevin Durant's played great. I don't think Trey Young will be able to match the production of Kevin Durant tonight. Kevin Durant wills his team to the win here. They beat the Atlanta Hawks. Celtics and Suns. Celtics, another team like the Lakers, inconsistent at 13-13. and 13. Great matchup, no matchup. I think Tatum will show up. It seems like he always does. He's a star. But it's just too much to overcome on the other side. Uh, still no Devin Booker with the hamstring injury. But you still got Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, uh, Cameron Payne, all of them to fill in, step up, and they'll beat the Celtics tonight. Now moving on to some NHL. The Penguins-Capitals rivalry renewed tonight. Last time he played, only time so far in the season. Embarrassing loss by the Penguins where they were in the middle of a not-so-good stretch where they lost 6-1 to against the Capitals. Tonight it's ESPN uh, plus Hockey Night, also on Hulu. Pittsburgh has played a lot better recently. Can you believe that in the past 10 games, these two teams, the Penguins and the Caps, have the same exact record in the past 10 games? Seven wins, two losses, and an overtime loss, and they're both sitting at a two-game winning streak. Pittsburgh was at the bottom of the barrel early in the season, looked bad after a kind of a good or a good great opening win against the Lightning. They went back down to earth and earth fast. Now they've sort of rebounded. They played better. Tristan Jari, one of the better goalies. Four goals and uh, wins above average for a goalie. He's playing good, allowing less than two goals a game. Save percentage at 9.34. He's played good. Jake Gensel lighting the lamp for his team. Uh, He'll be out, uh, which I think hurts the offense, you know, really does hurt the offense with his upper body injury. But it's a Penguins-Capitals game. Anything can happen. And there's no way I'm picking the Capitals to beat the Penguins. Uh, burn my Crosby jersey if that ever comes into fruition. 
I think the Penguins can win this game. I think Tristan Jari can have a big game tonight and beat the Washington Capitals. But you've got a lot of great games on tonight. You've also got uh, the Red Wings and Avalanche. Red Wings much better than they were previously. Avalanche, you know, slowly finding their rhythm. Uh, Predators, Devils. Devils still hanging around as well. Early in the season, Predators are playing well. Uh, Got some good NHL games on. College football. Kind of every award was handed out. Again, that's not the Heisman. Bryce Young winning the AP play every year. The Davey O'Brien trophy for quarterback. Next is the Heisman trophy, and I believe he wins that tomorrow night. Uh, Won most of the votes for the player of the year. Aiden Hutchinson finished in second. I do think that'll be the Heisman. I think Bryce Young will get majority of the votes. I think Aiden Hutchinson will finish second. He's been great. Luke Fickle won Coach of the Year. I don't know about that. I think Jim Harbaugh should have won Coach of the Year. And this is not a Michigan bias. It is not. Yes, I think Michigan's the best team this year. That's not a bias, though. Uh, I will say this and why Jim Harbaugh should have won Coach of the Year over Luke Fickle. And Jim Harbaugh did win the Pro Football Focus Coach of the Year. And I'll say this. Cincinnati started in the playoff conversation in the preseason rankings, they were ranked number eight. Uh, everybody said Cincinnati has a chance. They're the one group of five team that can try to crack the playoff chances, get into the top four. So they were deemed as a playoff contender before the season. They thought they're either going to go 11-1 and or 12-0. and That Notre Dame game is going to be the big game. But a lot of people were high on Cincinnati before the season. Was anybody high on Michigan before the season other than me? Uh, can somebody remind me? Oh, yeah, no. Nobody was high on Michigan or Jim Harbaugh. People wanted Jim Harbaugh to be fired. Wanted him to be let go. Said they're going to range anywhere from six wins to nine wins. That is the floor. That is the ceiling. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Michigan's going to be 11-1 or technically 12-1. and And guess what they did? They proved me right. So Jim Harbaugh should win coach of the year. Because they were in no national conversation before the season started. They were in no playoff aspirations. They were unranked. And they went from unranked to number two, uh, first team ever in the college football playoff era, to make it to the playoffs as an unranked team. I have to give credit to Jim Harbaugh, all of them. Josh Gaddis won the top assistant coach trophy of the year. Now other places want him. But Jim Harbaugh... Had a tremendous year. I think he should be coach of the year. Because Luke Fickle met expectations. They thought he could make it to the playoffs this year. He met him. They met expectations. But Jim Harbaugh exceeded expectations. Far exceeded. Because nobody thought them to be a 12-1 team. To beat Ohio State. To be Big Ten Championship uh, caliber team and win it. They showed up. They exceeded Everyone's expectations to me, if you exceed expectations, that's coach of the year. Not just meeting expectations, exceeding expectations. Then Kenny Pickett, quarterback uh, for, uh, what's his name? What school is that? Pittsburgh. Uh, had a fake slide against Wake Forest. Nasty move. Faked out a lot of people. 
because of that move, they have now put a rule in the place where you can no longer fake a slide in college football. Congratulations to Kenny Pickett for your one act getting another rule in place for college football. Again, college football, all the championship games are done. We're looking at the bowl games. But if you're just a college football fanatic, there's only one game on this weekend for you. One game that is the storied Army-Navy rivalry. Who knows what to expect in these games. Usually close. I'm going to pick Army to win this game because they've had close games against Wake Forest, against Wisconsin. They played tough. They're 8-3. and three. Navy. They've had close games as well. As Cincinnati, SMU, Houston. But recently their games haven't been close. The, Nate, the Notre Dame, uh, the Temple... They're 3-8. and eight. I think with that combined, I think Army gets a win in this storied rivalry. Again, Navy runs the ball a lot. Triple option, read option, all the option threats will threaten Army. But I think Army gets a win in the end. But who knows what to expect with this rivalry and game. And last but not least, Rutgers shocked the world. Yet again, a number one team goes down last night. Rutgers beat number one Purdue on a half-court buzzer beater. Great win. Congratulations to Rutgers for beating Purdue. It's just another one team that goes down. You now have Purdue lost this week. You had Duke lost last week. Gonzaga the week before. So round and round we go. Next up is Baylor. They'll probably be number one unless they slip up this weekend in the next uh, rankings of basketball in the AP but are they next on the list to suffer a loss? That remains to be seen. This has been Get Your Goat. Talk to you all next week. Hope you all have a great weekend. Bye, everybody.